Lovely. Who do we hate today? I hate lots of people, so that can be our warm-up chat. Uh, I I do hate many folk. I am sick and tired of non-existent burlesque dancers <laughs> saving burlesque. <laughs> I'm fucking sick and what tired of that badge? too. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Who are these fuckers? I, uh, uh, I feel like we've just gone back in time to 2009-10 and the industry is in a similar state yes. to how it was then. And it's full of people who did burlesque once, twice, for a few Three months. times a shit burlesque <laughs> Who now apparently are either saving burlesque or have like a definitive opinion on the industry that they've never really fucking worked in. And uh, just this willfulness for them to what is it do you think it's just that they feel left out by the industry and then they resent it and so then they think there's something wrong with the whole industry but i'm like have you ever bothered to watch any of the shows that are the type of burlesque that you're claiming doesn't exist or did you just think you were a creative genius didn't get an immediate round of applause and now are bitter that you think there's something wrong with burlesque when really this is all about you I honestly think it's the last one. And I can say this because I was that person, I think, at one point. And I, we all know I went through an asshole phase, or never deny that, <laughs> where I thought I cured burlesque and realised that, A, I'm not original. B, what I've done has been done a million times before. And, and C, there's no such thing as original. We're all doomed. <laughs> uh, so I understand, because I kind of came in on this kind of upswing of feeling like, oh, this is something that was missing from burlesque. And this is something, but actually, no, I just hadn't seen enough. Mm. I, I'm glad I'm here, but I've not sorted anything out. So I feel like it's people that I haven't, yeah, I think you're right, where they haven't actually seen what the world has to offer. You say that, but I genuinely think that you did bring something different to burlesque. And also you kind of pushed through that period that we all have where we think we've solved burlesque and that we find the little pocket of burlesque that we like and we think it's the best thing ever and everyone else is doing burlesque wrong (laughs) and then you start being a dick and you kind of come to appreciate that even though like other forms of burlesque might not be the form of burlesque you like it's a broad art form and unlike those other people you did kind of stay in it keep bringing in innovative stuff and also like you know realize that it's no point bitching about not getting highly paid work if you're walking around in a costume that looked like it cost fucking 20p stick a crystal on it make it look like it cost at least two pounds and then maybe you can whine about (laughs) why you aren't getting booked for expensive things that's just human psychology people don't understand how much you know, a joke is worth to create or like writing takes or creative protest takes. They can just evaluate a costume and go, that looks expensive. It's worth the money that I have. That's just life. Sorry, that's not just burlesque. Yeah. And it's also play the system. Because I also went through a phase of being like, I'm going to be funny and I should be paid a million pounds for being funny all the time. No, play the fucking system. You have to con your way into the shiny smart gigs because they look at you and go, oh, that's an incredible look. That's amazing and fantastic. You get in there like, but this is for lols. It's the same way with like the hairy armpits thing. If I started out with hairy armpits, I wouldn't have been able to like rock the shit that I have now. But because I've already got that, then just is kind of like, ah, fine, come on. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's Lolo, so oh, it's, yeah, all right. All we right. can't not, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, is there a sexism behind it? As we've discussed a thousand times. Yes. yes. Are you going to change that by <laughs> slagging off burlesque performers and thinking that we're all stupid morons? No. No. But, and, and here's my but, and this is another range point for the week. <laughs> 
I don't think pockets of burlesque help that discussion or help how theatre views our art form by completely rewriting this bizarre narrative. So you're not on Facebook, so I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a huge row going oh, down God. at the moment. Go on. <laughs> And it's basically the same row that happens forever. It's just obviously been reignited. I give a condensed version whereby some school up north wrote some really shitty, rubbish, anti-stripper sex worker rhetoric to try and sell their burlesque courses, which should be shut down. Brilliant. And this is like a school that's got about two followers. So I'm a bit like, okay, I get your point. But at the same time, this isn't really necessarily important. Uh, Or it's not, it doesn't have the impact. You could have an impact in other ways if you want to get on this soapbox. So... Cute, a whole load of people basically writing very angry posts about how burlesque is exactly the same as stripping and burlesque owes its history to strip clubs, which I find completely insane because strip clubs started in about the 60s and 70s and burlesque has been around for about 110 years prior to that. So there's this whole weird thing where people are just rewriting large chunks of burlesque history to play into the notion that theatre people have that burlesque is just basically what goes on in a strip club, but with nicer costumes. And I'm like, there has to be a way of acknowledging the intersections which absolutely exist between striptease, stripping burlesque, between supporting sex workers, but without pretending that burlesque's roots aren't in satire and comedy sorry loves yeah. but unless you think burlesque gan in 1940 which it didn't this narrative isn't true can we not do both at the same time burlesque used striptease as a tool yeah it's not the origins of burlesque and i totally agree with you this is uh, i can't have this discussion with people this could be fun it's gonna be a good day i'm, I'm having a good time you're having a good day <laughs> See, but you're glad I didn't call you in for that meeting. I'm really glad you didn't call me in for that meeting. But oh, I panicked. I panicked so much because it was just like, because my brain is mush. So I can't remember shit. So when she was like, oh, so I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, fuck, what have I forgotten? What have I forgotten? What have I forgotten? And I was like, okay, at least it's tempered. So I can be like, am I working for you tomorrow? <laughs> but yeah, as a stripper and as a burlesque dancer, they are two very different things and they have two very rich histories and to ignore their parallel intertwining paths is to ignore the work and the effort that strippers have made as their own. Don't take from what they have done and what they have created because it's not as simple as we owe them our history. It's respecting that they have their own. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm just it's it's yeah there is crossover and you have to respect that and there is crossover in the history and the fact like of course there's crossover in the history because there is a striptease element so there was always that and this is the other thing that I get frustrated is when burlesques get on their soapbox about this and none of them are strippers or have worked in a strip club and I get very upset yes. and I get very annoyed and I'm just like please if you have not lived the hustle you you, you cannot call yourself a stripper yeah exactly and correct me if I'm wrong and maybe this is something to go with, it's a genuine question, but lots of the strippers I know don't necessarily consider themselves sex workers. So if you don't work in that industry, it's not really your place to deem all club strippers sex workers. That's a distinction that they would choose for themselves. Mm, it's a real tricky one. There's a two yeah. things. So it's not necessary that strippers don't like to call themselves sex workers. It's because there's another element where full service sex workers, for example, don't like strippers calling themselves sex workers because obviously they don't have the same level of risk. Mm. But there has to be a discussion around sex work where it is a part of sex work. And there's the other part of it where strippers don't want to call themselves sex workers because they don't respect 
sex workers. So there's this like this real annoying battle of like sex work fringe kind of problem. Mm-hmm. It's becoming a lot more interlaced in the sense that in our day and age, like every human being in the world, no one has one job. Everyone is does a million things. So a lot of strippers are also variations of sex workers as well. So it's a lot easier to be like, I'm a sex worker in that way. But that is a discussion and I have this all the time. And I have it with uh, quite a lot of my dumb friends where they are like, they don't feel that they can call themselves sex workers because they don't necessarily do full service in the same way. And it's like how much of the title sex work is is intertwined with the risk factor that sex work comes with so it's it's such a nuanced discussion it's so nuanced and people battering around in a burlesque costume calling themselves a sex worker because they do burlesque it's it's not okay guys it's not okay stop doing it it's an appropriation it's rude and it's just disrespectful to risk and the endangerment of sex workers especially in this country so stop it do, 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 do. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Hello. Yes, here we are today, ready to discuss death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus, Mary. Oh, Joseph. this time our warm-up chat really was for <laughs> It was. I feel when the the conversation is a nuanced discussion around sex work in the modern era, before we just drive the carrot into Uranus, <laughs> that is is death. So hello everyone, welcome to hi. I was going to talk to you about my gas leak for the warm-up chat. And I was like, do you know what? This is going to be really simple. I'm going to talk to you about my gas leak. I'm going to talk about how I haven't had a shower. Oh, I'm really smelly. No, let's talk about stripping. Great, cool. No, because I got angry. And so your gas will have to wait. <laughs> because people need to be told some things. Yeah. It's just, <sighs> yeah. This is why I left Facebook. Stop it. It Get was me. all over Instagram. I'm surprised you didn't see it there. It was literally all over Instagram. And uh, let's not devote more time to it. But I got into a really interesting discussion of about it because I had to like point out to her that some of the wording she was using. Because again, like you've got these periods where like, People would use the term stripper in the 40s and 50s and 30s, but it has a completely different context for them. Anyway, the point of the matter is, is this is all really fucking nuanced as fuck. So if you're boiling this down to like a four sentence rant or something to get on a little soapbox, you're not necessarily being as helpful as you think you are. These are very nuanced issues and the discussions should be dominated by the people who are in those worlds it's not for you to speak for other people also read some fucking history or even just read wikipedia or just listen to our neo to no burlesque episode team because the history of burlesque is complex and reducing it down to something simplistic doesn't help anybody yeah we could do the simple history of like strip and strip tease and we could go into the nuanced intertwining of how those two are linked that's an element of burlesque it's not Mm. burlesque as an entirety and of course you have to respect that as a discussion just stop centering yourself in a discussion that is around people who are severely oppressed and have no rights in this country and centering your life around it as if you know anything about the lived experience you fucking white savior (laughs) assholes (laughs) And we're done. So when you die, Lolo Brown, where do you think you go? Jesus. Um, um, you know what? I have no idea. I, I, hell. Um. <laughs> A never ending Facebook rant. Oh my God. That's what's waiting for me. That's about you, but it doesn't include you. That's going to be your hell. 
Oh, it's going to be. Oh, God, that's going to be awful. No. <laughs> Your hell is going to be having to have on a giant screen just a Facebook feed in front of you that just forever scrolls and you can never blink and you can never leave and you can never type. <laughs> I hate it. That's awful. Everything about Facebook needs to stop. My account still exists, but I'm blocked out of it still. Someone needs to go on and shut me down. I get, I get messages being like, it's such a shame that you didn't come to my birthday party. It was really, would love you to see you there. I was like, you had a birthday party? And they're like, yeah, I invited you. It's like on Facebook. I was like, what? When were you born? 2002, are you asshole? I'm not on there. Message me like a grown up, bitch. I thought people stopped inviting other people to no. social events via Facebook. I, no. Just, I thought this ended in like 2007. No. no. Uh, okay. I literally missed, almost missed an invite to a wedding on Facebook. On fe- No. If you, no. <laughs> Sorry. No. I think it's kind of rude. If you can't be bothered to send someone a personal message or just a group WhatsApp, <laughs> then how much oh, do you yeah, really but want that also person to People know how I feel about WhatsApp. So I know I'm stuck really, in limbo with me. <laughs> I'm really, really struggling to not add you to WhatsApp but I'm holding off as long as possible and I hope you appreciate it. What's the WhatsApp group? Is it the politics? Well, I feel like we'll need a politics one eventually and then also may- maybe, although I'm going to try and keep it on email because I don't want loads of WhatsApp groups, our trip to Manchester. <laughs> it's just convenient. I'll do my best. No, 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 no. It's okay. You, you can add me to it. There's two things that will happen. Either I'll leave immediately. Yeah. Which is my favourite thing to do when people add me to WhatsApp groups that they haven't asked me to be added to. It's just when they add me, I'm like, no. I'm just like, Lola left. Uh, or I would just be quiet and I'll just put you on mute until I need it. <laughs> I just got a picture of me stuck in your phone just being like... Uh, now that didn't work for you because this is an audio format. <laughs> but basically it was just me jumping up and down like a gremlin, mouthing words with no sounds, miming at the WhatsApp group inside Lolo's phone where I'm like, can everybody please do this Manchester's gonna be great I can't wait to go out of town with you again and also can we talk about how we did a whole thing together in Isle of Wight together and didn't take a single picture together (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) didn't record an act that we had been spent ages to doing together it's like we don't know how to do our jobs And I'm really annoyed with us because Jesus, Mary and Joseph, we just shouldn't, I should have more Ginsalt things to use as posts. But no, instead we we ran an entire show and panicked the entire time. Well, yes. In our defense, I found that a deeply intense, I don't know about you, experience. (laughs) I've just forgotten what it's like to leave London, put on a show, firstly, in a space that you're like, you've never worked in before, with new acts that you've never really done before. Back in the day, we did this all the time. And it was pretty much just the two of us, with the exception of our guest act, who probably took up about four and a half wonderful minutes. Thank you very much, Belle Blonde, of the show. We love you. Uh, Yeah, that was really intense <laughs> didn't have time to fucking breathe let alone record anything i was actually all right oh good for you <laughs> but i think it was because i think we finally just subjected you to what happens in 2.0 <laughs> i'm 
doing other years. things. It's just in like that. years of payback just come straight through in this show. How many costumes can we put you in? And I'm like, well, how many acts can I do that don't require me to change? Because oh, if you yes. bring the sexy burlesque, I'll bring the stand and talk to a dildo for five and a half minutes while you change into another full costume. Thank you very much. Another giant fucking burlesque outfit that I'm busting out the seams of. <laughs> Which I loved and thought was hilarious, but also because it was so hot as well. It was just really muggy evening. So yeah, just layers and layers and layers of like tight costuming <laughs> over and over, over and over again. <laughs> mm. And also I'm so disappointed. That's the other thing of out of town audiences. Like I love going out of London because people are, they are so much more up for things. They are less cunty in the sense that i love cunty audiences you're a huge fan but um like when you go out of london because there's not so much saturation there is a bit more appreciation which is lovely but because they aren't london audiences they didn't spend the entire time filming or (laughs) taking pictures of the show and i'm furious that they watched the show with their eyes and they engaged and they spent the entire time clapping and cheering and th- none of them were unfocused for the entire thing. So they didn't take a single fucking boomerang. There is one picture of me from that show, one picture from the side. And I'm furious, absolutely furious that they paid attention to us. Oh, wow. It's finally come full circle. <laughs> and now we're like, please give us content. Please share what we do. There was one person who filmed large chunks of the show. So we can only wonder what they are doing with that footage. <laughs> Hang on, we we met them though, didn't we? Um, maybe. I think they were just a, a nice person. They probably got excited and then respectfully thought maybe they won't post it, but maybe we want it. Maybe it looked like shit. Hi, if you're listening and you have any any footage or any photos from Ventnor Fringe, Ventnor, Ventnor. Ventnor. Please, please do tag us, Lolo Brow and at HOB Tempest Rose and put it online. We'd love to see it. We really, really would because we have no idea what happened in that show and I'm pretty sure it was great. But I've got some good news. Uh, I've got Lynn on WhatsApp. <laughs> what? The lady that, the, Lynn, the lady that <gasps> oh, we're going to go stay yes! with. <laughs> she, uh, she Instagrammed me. Hi, Lynn. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, do you have a WhatsApp number? Yes, Fennel Fringe asked if we'd be happy to return. And I said, yes, we'd be interested. Yes. yes. We do multiple yes. shows. Have you got a Friday, Saturday night? Maybe a Thursday as well. <laughs> we have a nice little holiday. From a Thursday preview, Friday, Saturday. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. happy days. We'll do exactly the same yes, show. Yes, we'll do exactly the same show. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Yeah. Speaking mm. of death. <laughs> <laughs> that we keep trying to have okay right so is this how you want to start you want to start with afterlife are you you feeling confident Uh, yes we can start with afterlife i don't mind where we begin Uh, i i think we should start yeah with a caveat saying that tempest and i both process death and grieving in a very similar way uh, when we talk about death and darkness with comedy tones so anyone or who is sensitive towards that i i feel like join in you'll feel much better for yeah. it yeah also you might be listening to the wrong podcast if you don't enjoy people finding inappropriate things for funny <laughs> i also oh. have to apologize it does seem like they are mowing the lawn outside my window currently sorry rich what lawn you live in a car park oh round yes the back. thank you <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes i live in a car park 
Yes. It's now, yeah, pretty loud. Sorry, Rich. Don't really know what to do about that. <laughs> Enjoy, everybody. It's real life. Yeah, it's not it's a big lawn, as you say. Hopefully, they'll fuck off soon. So, death is an interesting thing, and the, the only certainty in life is death. And taxes. That's the only... That's the famous saying. I, I don't like that. That's too morbid. Stay away from taxes. <laughs> My accountant's contacted me and been like, you ready to do your taxes? And I'm like, are you ready to fuck off? <laughs> I love I love them. Thank you. I am. Huge fan. I don't know if they listen to this podcast. They probably don't. They know I'm a mess. They've seen my accounts. It's one thing that's really, really certain. And it's something that I go through so many phases with. Like sometimes I'm completely comfortable with the idea of death and really do accept it and embrace it as a fact that it could happen tomorrow. And the older I get, specifically the older I get, the more like friends die it stops becoming like grandma and grandpa and great aunt and whatever like that it becomes people that you've chosen to have in your life and that's when death becomes so what's like visceral because it's, it stops becoming a person that was always going to die for a young age because they were old from your king to people just disappearing instantly and becoming comfortable with your own mortality is 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 a very interesting journey what what do you think will happen when you die I th- well, none of us know, do we? I I just feel like we're natural biological things and we have like huge amounts of energy and our energy has to go somewhere. So I guess it's something like reincarnation, but I'm not really of the belief that like you get reincarnated as like different people and then you like know, little, you know, you did these good things and then you were bad in this way and that affects what you come back next time. I'm not sure there's like a whole consciousness behind it, but I just think like if we look around at nature, nothing vanishes, everything gets recycled, reprocessed, everything, you know, goes into this kind of cyclical circle of life, like the Lion King says. Um, so for me, that makes the most logical sense. And I think is quite nice. Yeah, I find that really comforting as well. I don't see, I don't feel any benefit from thinking about an afterlife. It doesn't bring me comfort. It doesn't bring me joy. And also you and I have spoken a lot about religion and we understand that the concept of heaven and hell in particular is a crafted idea in order to get people to behave. <laughs> it's, it's mummy and daddy in the sky. It's not, it's not real. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. In terms of it's not real to us. <sighs> God, that's going to sound really... I'm not necessarily massively anti-religion. I'm anti-religion, not anti-faith. There we go. Bollocks. Sorry, it takes me so long to get there sometimes because I don't want to shit on anyone else's afterlife, basically. I don't think it's fair, but in particular, like the concept of good and evil as a concept of heaven or hell as how you behave in this life is going to affect how you are in the death. I just don't think is an appropriate and necessary thing that we need in it anymore at all. We don't need to be told that we're going to a good place if we behave well. We should just be good for being good that's it be nice yeah. there's only one thing you should be in this world and it's kind uh, and hydrated I <laughs> and a burlesque performer <laughs> and a burlesque performer <laughs> oh Jesus don't uh, unless you want to be poor and and resentful bitter if you, <laughs> if you want to be crusty by the age of 30 yeah but I love that idea that you have of uh, this kind of cyclical everything goes back into the earth with that in mind, can I poke that theory a bit? Mm. Because when you said that, I was like, okay, there's, so there's only a certain amount of energy in the world. So when you die, the energy goes back into it and it comes back and it goes through and things like that. Would that explain in a very spiritual and ethereal way that is why our world is so out of whack? Because the energy keeps going into making more humans and not doing other stuff. Hmm. 
What other stuff would it be doing? I don't know. Not having massive burning forests and and and, and trees oh, and shit. Is your theory that? Because our population is continually getting bigger and bigger and bigger, we're like sucking up the energy resource. I've never thought of that. I'm not sure it's a finite amount of energy because is it only existing on our planet or is this a universal thing? Jesus. Also, I, I don't know if you have this as well. Sometimes I meet people and I'm like, old soul, baby soul, old soul, baby soul. Like you've been around for a while, you're new. Yes. I have I that feeling that. a lot with people. Mm. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've been around the block a few times and I, I don't I don't like that. But my partner, Tom, I'm like, you, you, I think I feel like, I feel like maybe you were born a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was born about a thousand years ago. <laughs> oh God, yes. You're a very old soul. Jesus Christ, you were a rock. <laughs> I was born um, age 30. And I've just been evening out ever since. I'm now finally getting younger. I mean, we came up with this because it's my birthday this week. Not the week we're recording it, but the week that you are listening to it. And since we're all getting older. The ageing thing bothers me less, although the physicality of it really sucks. I'm starting to... Every so often with my husband, who's like maybe five years or so older than me. Sorry, Luke, I don't know exactly how much older you are than me. <laughs> just like I can never really remember what year you were born in. <laughs> so, that's love I'm always just like oh this really hurts now well, oh now I've done this thing I feel like this is there something wrong with me no no it's just getting old you can literally just feel your body falling apart I'm not here for that but mm. but I think you know it's that lovely saying like you should try not to be upset about getting older because it's a privilege denied to so many and um, I think that's a really great saying to just remind us how lucky we are oh oh yeah, right. Oh, that hit me right in the like chest chesticle yeah. bollocks. Like it like oh Yeah, yeah. Oh I, f- I feel like you kicked me in the tip. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> That's that kind of nails it on the head for me. I I I've Jesus, I have no desire to chase youth in any way, shape or form. <gasps> oh, so annoying when you see it from the other I end. I know, Jesus. <laughs> like the the place that I'm sitting now of like healing and like or just like my relationship with sex or my relationship with just emotional communication that I just didn't have or the vocabulary for or whatever as a young child as a young child I will say child I was a child up until four years ago (laughs) yeah Jesus and it is a privilege it really is she says as a sprightly 30 year old (laughs) yes I completely agree I just I welcome the wrinkles that I am yet to even see upon my face. I welcome the one grey pube that I have found. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, yes, as I remind my eight-year-old mother every day. <laughs> Stop complaining, bitch! <laughs> I like our relationship because I sometimes forget that there's a gauge difference between us. And I, I yeah. like that. And me and Rich were talking before this episode started about how sometimes you get to a certain period in life and friends' ages just mesh into one and you forget. 
And I feel like, especially in the burlesque industry, you kind of age in burlesque years. You don't really necessarily age in real years. So someone can come onto the mm. scene and become a burlesque dancer at 30, but they will act like a 23 year old. But there is like 25 year olds who have been doing it since they were 18 and they have a bit more gravitas behind them and they act like a 30 year old. It's, it's like cats. We age differently. And so, yeah, I forget that we have an age difference. But then every time I remember, I feel like it's great because I feel like you're scouting and doing a recce for me and just letting me know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy to Thanks, be safe. <laughs> I forget and then something will come up and be like, why is this so, I don't know, like, why do we disagree on this? Or why are we seeing this thing so differently? And then I'm like, oh yeah, there's actually like a 10 year age difference or eight years. I can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And like what we were saying before, like, I think the generational shifts are so much quicker now because the internet and social media just like has made our, I don't know, our, our lives so rapid and our culture changes so rapid that, yeah, sometimes there's such a big difference of perspective, I think. It's like it sort of comes out and bites me every so often because I forget it's there. And I'm like, why is this dysfunctional? Oh, oh that's, that's why. why. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. I'm glad I have it because like, yeah, it's good to push around on it. And you're totally right with the generational thing moving faster than it should in terms of the internet. Because if you think about it, if we met, so what we've been friends now for comfortably decade-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I met you when I was 20. You were 30. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine meeting a 20-year-old now and then being friends with them for 10 years. Well, let's say we knew each other. No, 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 but then being friends, I suppose being friends with them later on, I guess, but in terms of like, I can't. You mean over the period period of time? time, I can't see a relationship developing with them because I don't, I can't connect with 27-year-olds. I think this it's just getting faster. You know, like when you look at history timelines and it's like, oh, actually we were tadpoles. Amoebas. <laughs> yeah. For like Ages. millions of years. That yeah. Was, and then we cool. saw <laughs> Yeah, we should have stayed there. Um, and then we were like, I don't know, lizards for like another thousand, thousand, thousand years. And then like you look at the period of growing into like human beings from coming out of the water and it's like so small by comparison. And I just feel like <laughs> Yes, yeah. life pre-internet and now literally six months has gone by and the people who are six months younger just come from a completely different planet <laughs> yes entirely it's like what happened to hipsters what happened to hipsters also rich you're gonna love this they're gonna start drilling outside my house oh, no! <laughs> oh wow that is full on oh, <laughs> This is this is the background episode. <laughs> this is the best episode we've ever recorded and it doesn't mm. even have a point yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really loud. I, I can't do anything about that, Rich. And they're literally trying to find a gas leak. People are getting to see our real lives. Like they know now that Tempest has a lawn and they know now that I have a gas leak because I just attract drama. Um, you are a drama magnet. I see this is what I mean I, it, I draw it in I, I don't know you're like an astrology person why is this I don't know because I this this isn't me going in search of it it it, 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 ha. it ha, I, I find that the world brings me such weird nuggets all the time 
Um, I, <laughs> you won't like this. <laughs> Somebody posted. I did think it was funny. Obviously, it's imperfect, but it did make me laugh. One of the hippie people I follow was like, you know how the everyone accepts that the internet and social media has an algorithm that shows you more of what you what you seek and you put out into the world. Life has an algorithm too. <laughs> so basically, it's your fault. Lovely. I think it's punishing you for burping constantly into the microphone. I think it's fair. I do go in search of dramatic things. So this is just the universe bringing me what I asked for. It just, um, it's like Santa, but they shat in my stocking. I'd like to personally thank you for shielding me from most of your drama because it happens in other pockets of your life because I generally can't deal with people that attract drama. You just just tend to just filter them out of my life because I have enough drama in our chosen world. I don't need lots of drama in my private life (laughs) I don't want drama either. I want excitement. And I think sometimes the universe misconstrues that. It's like a cross wiring. Yeah, like just misfiring mm. all over the place. So I, I love danger and I love life threatening situations. But I, I mean, I, I can don't... see where it got confused. I, I can understand. Ghastly, very life threatening. Um, <laughs> that could have been huge. Oh my God, that would have been the most like badass. No, I don't want to die via gas leak. How do I want to die? Um. Well, doesn't everyone want to die in their sleep? No. Or something like being decapitated. Nice and quick, please. I think you misconstrue decapitation as something that quick. How much do you trust someone? I feel like decapitation is a bit like anal fisting. Like how much do you trust someone really to do it? Oh, God. Do you ever sometimes (laughs) imagine that you're one of those historical figures that like (laughs) sentenced to have their head cut off? (laughs) And you must just be on that block being like, please let it be a good one. Please let it be a don't good be one. Don't be shit. Don't, don't be, be shit. Yeah. Don't be shit. Don't, don't be, be drunk. Don't, oh don't, my oh God. God. I mean, they were drunk most of the time back then because yeah. water wasn't clean. So you're always low-key buzzed off the ale or yeah. wine that you're having to drink instead of water. Well, yeah. And if I got decapitated in that time, I'm definitely the sort of person where they just miss and they just like get half my nose. Oh, God. See, no, decapitation is bad. I don't know. No. Okay. 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 Everyone wants to die in their sleep as a general thing. People don't necessarily fear death as a sense. A lot of people mostly, I would say, people fear a painful death. Mm. The last thing that you experience in this world is a painful death. And that is something something none of us want. And that's horrible. Mm. With everything I do in my career, I would suggest that I probably may want otherwise. I'm not sure. I think about death a lot. I think maybe I think about death too much. How much is too much? Did you have this thing when you were younger? Sorry, Mm. this is related. (laughs) Where (laughs) you couldn't see living past a certain age. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just couldn't imagine being a grown up. So I just assumed I just dropped dead in my 20s sometime. I I assumed, I I, honestly, that's why 27 was a big year for me. Because ever since I could remember, 27 was a year that I died. I just couldn't imagine myself being beyond that. And now, I'll be honest, now I can see myself being very old very 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 old mainly because i think i'm gonna rock that shit (laughs) i used to work in a hospice and there was a woman i used to visit a lot in the night shifts and she was just a pervert and sometimes i think back and i'm just like you gave everyone chlamydia and i love you for it (laughs) i don't know there's just something about being old and stopping like the less i care the more i'm addicted to Mm. caring less 
and I just want to do it more and I just want to be in a place where I'm like I just don't care anymore obviously I don't want to give everyone chlamydia everyone get tested um shl.com it will send you a sti test to your house it's really quick and easy you get your results super fast have a lovely time but in a nursing in a in hospices and nursing homes uh, stis are rife really those are the old people having sex with each other because they have nothing else to do yes okay it's nothing else to do but you're about to die what do you want to do bone okay so they do okay yes (laughs) (laughs) something that i did not learn i learned at the age of what 19 when i first worked in a hospice just it was just a lot of sex i mean that must be uh must take a physical toll on the body i mean getting up in the morning and walking down the stairs to let naya out is quite a uh hey my back oh my ankles oh my knees i can't imagine being 80 and being like let's fuck i don't know i have no idea i say this again as a sprightly 30 year old i welcome aging i want a certain type of oldness i don't want an oldness where i can't do anything i think that makes me sad yeah and it's that weird thing where I think like you sort of feel a certain age, like you get to a certain age and then that's the how old you feel. And then it must be weird. <laughs> like you're looking in the mirror as an elder person, but in your mind, you're like, I'm still 27, bitches. <laughs> like I feel a bit like that now. I wonder if everyone has that or that's um, a burlesque thing, because I do think we process age differently in burlesque, which you brought up earlier. Our lifestyles are just weird. I think that, you know, when you're a blessed performer, you, you develop a great sense of yourself and you're very confident. Um, and loads of people I know outside of Valesca are like, why do you all look so young? I'm like, I think it's because we're fairly happy. <laughs> and most of us don't have children. But yeah, people are always just like, you guys are like vampires. Like, why do you all look so yeah. young? Um, I think we feel young. We have a youthful lifestyle. I mean some of us yeah you say that i don't necessarily think we look young i think i think it's just an air air of and it's not youth it's misconstrued with youth what is it then it's pleasure like you have an air of pleasure and abundance yes happiness happiness which is written vibrancy yeah which neoliberalism has sold us as youth so you must (laughs) buy the cream (laughs) yeah i do think you need to do is flash your tits to an audience (laughs) Because that's all burlesque is. Yes, that <laughs> we're is. also Stop stupid it. that we <laughs> we just haven't really taken on board the complexity of life, and that's what keeps us youthful because we're just burlesque. <laughs> but I think doing something that you're passionate about, having an element of control over a part of your life, I think yeah, keeps you youthful. It keeps you energized. There's always opportunities to create, to do stuff, and I feel like. I'm not sure my lifestyle's changed much from when I was in my early 20s. I just have more money and that's nice. <laughs> and more power and more control, mm. which is nice. Yeah. But no, we do look young. Well, you know, having a tough life will age you. Um, and certainly you must find you meet people who are like in their 30s. And I'm like, so you're like 40, 50? <laughs> I mean, I'd never say that to their face, obviously. But I was just like, wow, re- real life is tough. <laughs> real life is tough. That takes its toll. It really does. It's a difficult conversation to specifically have a conversation about death because death itself is quite a quick and short conversation in some aspects. It's the fringing around it that's the tricky bit. Like it comes into ageing, sudden death, all those wonderful things. Do you... This is a fringe of death conversation that's always an interesting one. You have a day 
to live Mm. and then it stops what's that day gonna do oh gosh you can do anything well this is a conversation i always tricky with because it's like if you could do anything then try and do anything yeah sure and then the other side of it is actually no you've just found out that you've only got 24 hours to live so how how far are you really gonna get uh i throw a big last minute party yes and like it obviously fancy themed not fancy dress with the fancy dress themed and uh yeah just try and get everyone together get some good music on this probably sounds a bit mundane but yeah what would you do um i probably do something similar whenever people ask me this question because it seems to be like a popular question to ask people who are morbid like ourselves hmm. if it's a case of like i've just found out now that i have 24 hours i'm just going to throw on some banging tunes get everyone around as quickly as i can it also depends are we talking like end of the world like the world will just end in 24 hours yeah is it everyone's last day or is it just your last day because it might be really annoying trying to organize a party and everyone's like oh, i'm busy today i'm like no you don't understand <laughs> you, you don't understand you need to cancel what you you're need doing. To cancel what you're doing i'm coming come around but if it was like the end of the world end of the world then it's a case of like just get everyone around get everyone in the street have a goddamn good time because it's coming to an end and you may as well send it out with a bang which reminds me you should tell people that you love them because you might not be able to get to them in 24 hours uh, <laughs> I always find like questions like that really interesting because it, it kind of reduces death down to what it what it is, which is just the stopping of having the things that you want in life, which always makes me remember that I should just do more of the things that I want in life because if I'm waiting for the last minute, then why? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Mm. So there's that thing... Which obviously no one can really know, but your life like flashes before your eyes before you die. And mm. I've gotten to the age where I'm like, I really hope that's true. <laughs> he did so many cool things. I'm just like settling in for the movie. I just want to watch it all again. And like for me, which I thought about more recently, because of course with the pandemic and one of our dear friends passed away, life is about experiencing. And I guess similar to what you said, you know, why, why? wait like none of us know how long we have go and do the thing that you want to do you know we we exist we lived I think to make connections of people and to experience everything that we're able to in this you know in the body that we're given or in the life that we're given and so yeah just 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 whatever you want to do just fucking do it there's so many excuses we all can make but we might not have 24 hours left touch wood but I guess it will feel like that when when you do die life goes by so quickly yeah and I don't know about you but I definitely feel like life is in the last couple of years started to put on the accelerator like I feel things are moving a lot faster Mm. than they've ever moved before and I'm just like Jesus this is gonna go quicker than I think it is and I just want to suck it all up as much as I can now this brings me to my next morbid question Mm. so if you were given the option would you like to know when you are going to die? Oh, no, I wouldn't. Ooh. No, I think it would just take a lot of my life just like thinking about it. <laughs> if you just put a weird spin on things. No, I think the the joy of life is that you get one. Well, you get one as you, if you believe in reincarnation that we come back, um, you're still going only going to be you once in the particular set of circumstances that you're in, most mm. likely. Uh, and what makes it special is the not knowing. Mm. Mm. Would you? I, I have changed my answer to this so many times. 
the honest truth is I'm probably the same as you in terms of if I'm being actually logical and smart about it, life would lose its flavor if I knew when I was going to die. But at the same time, there's an element of admin that would be really useful. Like, (laughs) I sometimes think like, if the world's going to end, do I really need to put that much effort in? right now like if i'm dying next week <laughs> how much effort do i really need to put in but if it's a case of i find out how long i've got to live and they're like you're going to be around for like another 60 years i'm like oh, okay cool so savings it is but if i look at it and they're like oh okay you got next month and i'm like well fuck this noise let's do some shit are you worried about not having a pension <laughs> <laughs> jesus because climate change will sort that right out oh my god <laughs> this is the other thing this is the other reason like so tempest mentioned that a friend of ours recently died so this is why a conversation is is really rife in our minds at the moment but it's also alongside that with uh, the recent loss of our friend is also this kind of weird side story of something that's been happening for years but we've not been looking at it and now it's on our doorstep in such a violent way where it's 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 here and you can't mm. ignore that it is in our generation and it, these things are happening and like and it's just like it's not our death anymore it's the planet's death and it's like how do we process that i it's so big people can't which i guess is one of the reasons why it's sort of been ignored so long <laughs> the rest of it is capitalism <laughs> neoliberalism exactly um i <laughs> I don't know. I, I do think, maybe, is this normal? Am I really morbid or are you doing this too? I do have moments where I'm like, enjoy what we can do now because it's like, this is like 10, 20 years time. Our lives will be so different because of this. I mean, it, they might be apocalyptic. We might be living under extreme restrictions, like things that we don't think that are that expensive now will go absolutely through the roof. Seafood, travel, stuff like that. And I'm just like, it's a bit like, yeah, knowing... I don't know why I've equated this, but sometimes, you know, your friends who are like, yeah, we'll have a baby. So this is my year of doing everything. I'm like, yeah, the planet's going to die. So this, this is, is my, my year decade of doing, of doing everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can hear you on that front. Um, but there's the other side of it is if that we don't do everything, maybe the planet will be better off. Yeah, there's that. That too. <laughs> well, I wasn't planning on like eating, eating every... all the crabs, <laughs> stomping on some coral reefs and like Just flying, stabbing some seals. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Burning some forests. <laughs> Bonfire night every night. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you in the sense of like, <laughs> you are totally right. You are totally right. Our lives are going to look very different very soon. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. It's going to be awful. <laughs> Death was an easier conversation. I don't like this one. Let's go back to like us processing our friend's death. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be better Jesus. than talking about the impending apocalypse that's happening. You thought the first apocalypse was boring. Don't worry. The sequel's gonna be a wild one. <laughs> we were gonna wish we were stuck in our homes watching Netflix. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, yeah. Uh, Jesus. Ooh. It's weird. With the world opening back up is when it feels like the end of the world is happening. It wasn't feeling like that before. And mm. now everything's 
Do you know when you when you wake up and you leave your bedroom and then you come back into your bedroom and you're like, oh God, it stinks in here. That's what it's like. Yeah. You don't realise how bad it is Great until analogy. you leave it and you come back and I was like, oh, stinks of sex and regret. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's our lives right now. It's going to be awful. <laughs> There's no good yeah. way out of this one. Okay, so whenever we talk about the apocalypse, because you and I have found it comforting to talk about the apocalypse for many years, um, and now it's now we should just start mm. stocking up. What is the likelihood of humanity recovering from this? We should do an actual episode around climate, like where we're not just doom and gloom, because I feel like we're going to lose listeners after this. They'll be like, they are just losing their fucking minds. And just us trying to process the end of the world before you. We haven't had this conversation really <laughs> properly before with each other. Now we're just going to have it in front of your ear holes. So, mm. yeah, because then humanity won't recover from that. What will I come think, next? What's I next? Think, well, Disco! Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll all have nearly died and somebody will be like, guys... Do you ever want to just recreate Studio 54? No! <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we all lived in the 20s? No! No! Uh, well, the planet won't die because it's bigger than we are. I mean, we'll fuck it really badly <laughs> to the extent of our own extinction. And I don't think humanity will necessarily die, but I think society will crumble. And that's going to be deeply unpleasant for lots of people. And the scary thing is, it's like, you know, it, it already is isn't it like we're lucky at moment we don't live in a part of the world that's immediately suffering but there's already wildfires and people being displaced through drought and famine leading to wars and political unrest like you know the kind of people don't i think really connect things like refugee crisis with climate change but it's all connected team massively interlinked yeah and we're sort of still living in our little bubble do you ever feel sometimes that it's the hunger games and we're living in the capital because <laughs> i've really felt like that for the past few years yeah i completely agree with that and people don't realize that a lot of authoritarian kind of government styles come out of desperation mm, yes people don't realize that these comes out of times of desperation they comes out of times of, of famine of climate troubles it become it comes out of a place where the society is terrified into thinking it's the only the only way which mm. to be honest to physically save the planet is to put such restrictions on the entire world of what we use and how we if we honestly want to turn this boat around that is an option that would work but would be awful because the wrong people would get in control and then everyone would be fucked well, yeah, the problem is, is that, you know, you need... Oh, no, yeah. It's all right. We've accepted background noise in this episode. Yeah, today is just background noise day. Yes, that's why people... Another reason is that why people lean into authoritarian figures because, you know, when you're in a state of emergency, everyone can't sit around and discuss, like, all of the different ways that we could do something and maybe we could process it and have a little vote. Like, you do need somebody to take charge. Just is very scary. But, again, it's this thing, which sadly is probably never going to happen. It's not even that everybody needs to do their part we all do but what will actually make a difference is the one percent doing their part which they won't <laughs> eh. yeah like it, you know we can recycle all we like but at the end of the day if those 10 big corporations are still churning out all the shit that they're turning out if the american military is still you know chucking out tons of stuff into the atmosphere and if industry is still working or is if you still got billionaires like jeff bezos trying to rocket himself into space God, i wish that had blown up uh, rather than you know using that money maybe to make a difference you know <laughs> you can recycle all you want people but it's not gonna make a fucking bit of difference do you ever think about the alternative universe where his rocket blew up 
Um, I I don't, but now you've brought it up, I will, and it will give me comfort. It's really nice therapy. Sometimes I like to think of alternative universes, and sometimes I like to think mm. about that rocket blowing up. But the only thing that makes me sad about it is that there were other people in that rocket, and those other people were just doing their jobs and were getting paid. And we've all taken contracts that we don't necessarily like because we need the money. That's true, but there were also a lot of other wealthy people, and they probably deserve to be blamed. Oh, yeah, good point. Forget about that. (laughs) It's a tough one. (laughs) There are no easy choices in the end of the world, guys. There's no easy choices. The name of our book, when we become your authoritarian state leaders. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I get so frustrated when I listen to so many discussions around, I can do this in this sense. I went to wilderness, which essentially is the bougiest festival in the world uh, it's it's so bougie i did actually listen to an amazing speaker i will try and find the name because i have it written down somewhere but i won't be able to reach it right now who did a lovely debate discussion around neoliberalism and i was like this is fucking gnarly mm. we wandered in on it i was coming down hard and i was like i can't really do anything i can't really watch anything properly so i'll just stumble into this like 10 and it was a debate about neoliberalism and the, the connections between that and the climate crisis and i was like <laughs> My brain can't do this, but I'm fucking here for it. Let's come on, let's rave this shit up. Like, but with politics and depression. And uh, wow. But it's it was really difficult to um, listen to the debates around like people talking about the small things that we can do. Yes, the small things we can do can make a difference. So that, where they got it, the small things we do can't hurt to do. But until we make fundamental change within the bigger system, it's just nothing's going to change. And essentially, this, this is what this person was doing. is talking about neoliberalism as a, as a concept and how if we don't shift that way in particular, that's what's fucking the system. And the other person was like, yeah, but if we just recycle more, and then she was just like, no, no, this is a fundamental problem. And then, then the other person was like, oh, but if you think about it, then it's just going to turn into an authoritarian state. She's like, there are not two options. <laughs> I was just like listening. I was like, you're a badass, huge fan. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but they um, admittedly were, they they were a black body in a space of hundreds of white people. And I was, it was, it was just incredibly frustrating. Wilderness is an interesting festival. I, uh, lovely time. I had three arguments with people over Native American headdresses, (laughs) but only three. So, you know. You win some. I mean, it it takes place in Oxfordshire. Is that right? I feel like that sort of sums the whole thing up. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, and it's when people talk about uh, environmental change and stuff like that. And as a general festival, it's like, it has quite an environmental feel in terms of like, everything's combustible. They do do a lot of that. But at the same time, all the toilets are chemical toilets. You're like, okay, all right. I feel like we missed the boat there. So yeah, it's, it's. uh... Eat the rich burn everything no don't burn everything it's already doing it (laughs) yeah stop burning things stop burning things the one thing from this weekend i can't believe people are still wearing native american headdresses like seriously how who has not been involved in this discussion i feel like we've skated around a lot of the discussion around death we have yeah well the problem with death is (laughs) that (laughs) it's very finite (laughs) it's it's largely inconvenient Uh, (laughs) We're, we're all going to die. That sucks. I, I am scared of death. How much of that, I guess, really is dying, isn't it? And it's leaving the people that you love and having the people that you love leave you. Obviously, there's the whole, whole question mark over how you die. That's a tricky one. But I guess when you're dead, you know, you don't know any better. No. So that's probably okay. 
Uh, but yeah, dear universe, I'd really like that life film thing. That'd be really good uh, if you could. Sort ah. that. <laughs> yes. I wonder if also like you can look at your life objectively just before you die and see how everything really interlinks rather than like when you're in the moment and then you're mostly concerned of like your feelings and how you're processing stuff like whether you get like a bird's eye view of everything and you're suddenly like ah that's why that person did that basically Mm. I want closure I feel like we're going to be dissatisfied (laughs) (laughs) I want a receipt Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> I'd like to know what this all the fuck was about. What, what was <laughs> this about? Possible? Yeah, no, I don't think you're going to get that. And I think maybe that's, maybe you're uh, lower your expectations, but then who am I to tell you it's that? It's going to be annoying. It is, I think you're going to die in frustration. Um, <laughs> and this is a question that I also think is a great morbid question around mortality. Uh, given the choice, would you live forever? No. Oh. Absolutely not. And I know some people who are like, who wouldn't want to live forever? Again, I just think life is exciting because it's finite. I can't imagine living yeah. forever. It must be really yeah. dull eventually. I sometimes, because I, whenever I think about, oh, do I want to live forever? I always remember like one time when I was really, really, really high on acid. I was just like, why am I not high all the time? Like, why is this not everything that, because surely I would just be much- <laughs> That's just me when I'm drunk. Like, wouldn't I just be much happier if I was like this all the time? But then after tripping for 12 hours and I'm like, oh no, this has to come to an end because otherwise this won't be, is it, it has to, I'm very tired. <laughs> this is, I have to stop tripping now. <laughs> That's how I feel after my first bottle of wine all the time. <laughs> This is great. Why don't we just do this? Why, all why would you do this all the time? It's because it's, it's, it's. Why are we not always drunk? <laughs> then there's no hangover. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I sometimes think yeah that I I I think I would like to live for longer than other people because I like wisdom and I like people who are wise and I really enjoy being around people that, that you like me. No, you are here financially. <laughs> I. <laughs> um yeah like I like being around wisdom I like being around people that have life experience and that and I'm like I would like to feel old and basically I'd like to be a vampire but who wouldn't live forever yeah no no I don't want to live forever because you can still die as a vampire but I guess I'd just choose to die at some point I'd be like right you wooden stake through the heart banging and then it'd be done Oh, it depends what yeah. vampires you're following. There's many versions. Yeah. We can have vampire as a whole whole episode. Oh, we should. We should. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you were a vampire, would you tell me? Um. Yes, but I'd wait till you were really old and just about to die. And I'd be like, <laughs> you're going to die, but I'm going to live a lot longer. That dream you once talked wow. about in episode 52 of Jinsel about how you would want to be a vampire, but not forever. That's me, and I knew all along, and I didn't tell you. Okay, bye, tiny mortal. I could turn you, but I won't. <laughs> oh no, you'd wait until I was like really, really, really old, and I'd be like, I'm ready to leave, and then you'd turn me and be like, Well, you're stuck around. Here's a bottle of wine, fucker. And we're like, No, <laughs> in your old grumpy body forever. <laughs> I, I love the way that in this fantasy I haven't figured out you're a vampire and like you haven't aged I've just accepted that you've you. been 40 for this entire time <laughs> yes I have been and will be almost 40 forever almost 40 mm. forever I think almost 40 is a really cool album name <laughs> 
when we were sitting in the car chatting the other day, if that's my dev story, you were like, I'm going to die on stage just before you're about to debut <laughs> an act that you've been working on for like years and years and years. That's my perfect way. That's how I want to go. I want my last thing to do in life is to upstage you. Yes. Thank yes. you. Can't with wait. my death. Great. <laughs> And you'll be so I'd annoyed. Be so irri- raging, raging. I'm like, get the plug, get the fucking cable, stick it in this bitch. You want to shock her back to fucking life long enough for me to finish this show. And then she can die. Then she can die, yeah. I would like to go on my own terms. I think we all would. We don't have time to have a full discussion around euthanasia, but I, I just believe in choosing your time mm. if you feel appropriate however that's complex along the conversations around mental health so it's, let's not do that one let's do this instead <laughs> <laughs> what do you find comforting when people around you die because weirdly i've recently discovered when uh, an ex-partner of mine died two years ago and it was very tragic in the sense that i'm surprised they lived that long they were an absolute trash monkey and a absolute chaotic mess and all the wonderful things but I found that I couldn't grieve them until I returned to my catholic roots okay it was really strange so I went to the memorial and it was nice it was trashy and wonderful there was a huge drawing of a cock and a shrine of loads of people drawing cocks because they just drew cocks everywhere they they were they were a disgusting mess there was just like little bags of ketamine and and it was lovely it was really lovely because it was exactly what they would have wanted and it was like a day rave essentially anyway but i didn't feel complete i didn't feel like i'd grieved i didn't feel like i could mourn and it wasn't until i wandered past a church and i heard a familiar hymn and i smelled the uh incense it, it just called me it was so strange i wandered in and i did the processes that i would have done when i was a child when someone died and and how i would remember them and how i would mourn them and after that i felt so much better and i find it interesting that we forget that teaching ritual as something to grieve someone is actually a really really important process and although religion is something that catholicism in particular is something that i'm quite against as a religion obviously as everything we've spoken about it was really interesting how i saw such comfort in it do you find any comfort in your catholic roots oh interesting um maybe not on the catholic side but i do uh that more paganism wiccan side definitely when it comes to dealing with death and how you process it. But I agree with you, it's ritual, isn't it? And as you were talking, I was thinking the same thing. Like I I don't, I'll say I don't like religion. I think spirituality is lovely. I I believe in a higher thing. I do think there is more than just, you know, what we do every day. But religion is largely a political tool for control. But one of the positives of it, which I do think you can make a societal thing, is rituals around death because... It helps us process, but maybe even more importantly, I think for the people who have lost somebody, it gives them a purpose every day. And if I understand correctly, I don't know loads about Judaism, but they have like quite elaborate death and grieving rituals. And a lot of it is centered around making sure that the people who have lost that loved one are supported and that they have a a, a process to follow to make sure that they're kind of kept emotionally safe or as safe as possible. 
when they're dealing with the loss of somebody and that's something that I guess as a non-religious society we haven't really come up with an alternative to but that's Mm. really really important yeah you're totally right because it's intertwined with cultural and religion Mm. as well that's the problem but what can we do like if I have kids what can I do to teach them how to feel catharsis, how mm. to feel grief, how to let sadness in in order to move through it. Like, what are the things that I can put into place that makes them feel better when something goes wrong? Because everyone dies. And I really struggle with people who don't talk about death to their kids. Mm. I find it really hard because you're lying and it's not fair. Mm. And the reason my mum got me a cat was so that I'd understand death. Turns out they also helped me with sexuality. Go on, Matilda, you banging little badass you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Uh, (laughs) I had a gay cat. It was great. But so how... Oh, I don't know. I don't even know. Jesus, how would I even begin that conversation? People end and that's okay. Yeah, like death is the only certainty of life. And actually, I think it's the thing that makes life worth living. And there's something fundamentally damaged about our society's inability, our modern society and a Western society's inability to accept that and to have a discussion about it and to have cultural rituals about it. Because we don't really. Well, it's interesting. Do we? We should do this episode properly because I feel this is this is us processing death. You and I are having a lovely morbid conversation around death. This is really, really nice. But I'd like to do a proper episode around death, mm. in particularly funerals. I'd love to do an episode about funerals mm. because I spent a lot of time processing funerals as a concept because I went through a phase of just wanting to learn more about preserving bodies and what happens to bodies. I've got a very high morbid curiosity. And you read the book and the smoke gets in their eyes mm. and it's really, really interesting. And I think there is an element of control around the way that we talk about death and the way that it's a taboo purely for neoliberalism. <laughs> <laughs> when you uh. deconstruct the funeral business and when you think about death in different cultures and things like that, specifically in like Western culture with finger quotations, how would you best... The ear bunny. Ear bunnies. Ear bunnies? Bunny ears? Air bunnies. Is that... Air bunnies. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. This idea that basically our body kind of disappears from us like it gets taken away like someone dies and then we are removed from the process of death we're removed from the body we're removed from its decay we're removed from everything i'm reading books around morticians and their experience and what happens to bodies after their death specifically in the funeral business in the west in the uk in europe in america where bodies are either preserved which doesn't make any sense to me i know why it's in the book it's interesting that's a fascinating why embalming became a thing i blew my fucking mind and it's because like bodies when they died in like the civil war in america in particular they had to get the bodies home to the family but because it took so long to get them home they had to think a way of preserving them before they got home so that's when they started using embalming fluid to transport bodies across and then it became a process a symbol of status and then it became an ingrained process of grieving and it's like no let them decay No, I don't like the idea of embalming. The whole point, yeah, like the thing that gives me comfort is this like cycle of life. Like it's a natural part. Like we we decay, we go back to the earth. The thought of just lying in your chemically preserved body in the ground really disturbs me. Mm. Would you be buried or cremated? Um, 
just chuck me over the side of a boat. <laughs> Are you going to the sea? Feed me to oh, the sharks. Come on. Oh, no. I couldn't be bobbing around in all that water for eternity. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 Um, cremation oh, no. would be the easiest. If I'm nearby a big shark population, just chop me up, put me in the sea. That'll make me very happy. Feed me to those lovely little hungry bastards. We've done enough to them. They may as well have a nibble. <laughs> but cremation, if I die in the UK, mm. because we've only got basking sharks really in there. They don't really want me. Cremation and then mix me in with some compost. Yeah. I think cremation, just please check that I'm properly dead. <laughs> don't, don't really like the idea of being buried. Definitely not. Because there's a big drive, isn't there, for more natural funerals, natural burials, like de- uh, coffins that decompose properly. Um, actually, this idea of returning to the earth. That's nice. I think that's a good thing. It's just weird. There are just all these really expensive boxes in the ground. Why? Pop me in a firework. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm going to be... <laughs> the choreography that I still can't get right. <laughs> I just be like, and she couldn't remember this bitch. This is the part where she was supposed to come out. She's standing in the wrong space. Standing on her own fan. <laughs> we'll do the routine for you. When I die, this is a public statement. Whatever is the most eco-friendly for way for me to go somewhere. Like the least amount of anything and the most amount of nourishment back to the earth. If cremation's too like fuely and uses too much, I don't know. Just pop me around. Fungus. Feed me to the mushrooms. Apparently, <laughs> mushrooms love us. I love oh, mushrooms. Huge really? fan. Okay. Yes. We'll yes. make you into a mushroom yes. garden and then we'll eat you. Oh, turn me into a beehive. What? <laughs> Wouldn't that be horrible? <laughs> a beehive? Yes, hollow me out and turn me into a beehive. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. Okay. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Fine. Just God. Bees just flying in and out your mouths and your eyes. That's like a fucking horror film. It is. It's this episode oh. of Hannibal. That's where I got the idea from. I'm just gonna embalm you and make you into a low low puppet and force you to do 2.0 over and over and over again. Obviously, just the last 15 minutes. <laughs> just wheel me out. Yeah. I like the Irish. Our Irish funerals. Irish funerals are great because we kind of just go for we go for like a week mm. with the body just there. Awake, yes, but uh, awake for a week. Oh, there's so many wonderful stories of members of my family in the past where, like, the earth was too frozen and too cold in Greystone outside Dublin that they couldn't bury the body, so they just propped up my great uncle Steve in the bar for like three days until it thawed, and then they buried him. And I'm like, that that sounds great. I assume you'd have to be embalmed to do that, though. Is that right? Otherwise, you just have this rotting, smelling corpse. Bodies don't rot as fast as we think we do one of the part of the funeral business is that we're told that we're we go from living to rotting within like 24 hours but that's not the case at all bodies actually they will decay quite quickly but you have more time than you think you do a lot of cultures and a lot of places you have more time with the body than you think you do mm-hmm. one thing i do might give my mum credit for is that she has always insisted on seeing a body after they die mm. she's always had that kind of as a body and not as an embalmed thing but as a corpse Mm. I'm sure I'm I'm traumatized somewhere, but I recommend it to everyone. Jesus Christ! Do you feel better having seen a body? Mixed reviews. I feel better in the past for seeing bodies, but then there's other ways of it not being great. Like 
that when we were mid-episode and I opened a door to see my friend dead outside my door, that, yes, that was that a lot. Said. Remember that <laughs> universe that said, yeah. bringing me things? Yeah, and um, remember that episode? I sound fine. It's very strange. That, no. That's different. That's unconsensual corpse watching. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Would you willingly, <laughs> consensually feel better about viewing a body of somebody who's passed? Yes. Now, the only um, thing I have to witness to is when my hamster died. My mother made the hamster an entire shrine in a box. God bless her. So Catholic. I'd like the fanciest hamster shrine box you've ever seen with a silk blanket and dried flowers. And it was really beautiful. But then when I remembered my hamster, who was called Moomindale, Moomoo for short, the only thing I could think about was how they looked when they were a corpse. And I thought that was a bit disturbing, but I've never done it with uh, somebody I know who's actually passed. So I'm interested. Yeah, I think that I haven't had that with recent deaths in my life because you don't have access to it because we're just removed from it so it's only something from my childhood that I have I think if someone close to me died now like if my partners died or my mother died or anyone like that close to my family died I would insist on seeing the body but then I'd be much closer to the death process than I would be for example with our friends and things like that because mm. it's, it's it's trickier to be like hi I'm, I know that we haven't necessarily met you're their family because we haven't necessarily crossed paths but can I see their corpse please <laughs> yeah no that's fair if I think of like someone really close to me dying I feel like I would want to see the body I don't know is that's not even for me I think like I just want to make sure that they're okay <laughs> Yes, there's, there's there's this part of grieving that is um, something that I feel we've lost touch with where bodies are removed from the homes and things like that quite quickly is that we don't get to care for the body. We don't get to care for mm. the person because even though they're gone, we still love and care for the vessel that carried them. Yeah. Legally, you do not have to give a body to a mortician you can do a lot of what you want to do at home like i would like to care for my mother's body after it's passed i would like to be able to wash i would like to be able to clothe i would like to be able to put her to bed one last time or mm. like my partner i'd like to be able to tuck them in and to nurture their flesh and their body which i have worshipped throughout their life and then it's only fair to worship through death i actually yeah. feel really stressed by the idea that someone's going to take them away from me and that i'm not going to be able to put them to rest Mm. And that makes me really sad. Oh my God, that makes yeah. me really sad. Oh, don't like that. No, I feel what you're saying. It's really moving. I agree with you. Oh, that makes me really sad to think about. No, no one's allowed to die. Everyone must be alive forever. <laughs> we'll all die together. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, one big party, remember? It's, it's yeah. just all going to go with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> and then we don't need to watch any bodies because we'll all be eviscerated. So, you know. <laughs> He needs yeah, cremation you're... when the world's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Remember that time he destroyed everything? Oh. <laughs> uh, I really want someone to complain about this episode. <laughs> They're so insensitive. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really traumatised by listening to them cackle insanely about the end of the world and how we're all going to be burnt to a crisp. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm obviously not laughing because I think it's genuinely funny. Although someone made a really great meme about, you must have seen this, a cartoon of a group of people sitting around a campfire in like a desolate wasteland. And there's like a guy there and he's like, sure, we destroyed the entire planet. But for a very short time, we had some really great returns on our shareholdings for our investors. <laughs> 
and it's just it's magical like that's just the truth of the matter in one sentence (laughs) god it really makes you feel about so okay let's talk about generational shift so we're talking about how the generational shift is so big between six months and everything like that imagine the generational shift between the apocalypse and that thing being like imagine raising your children to be like we have this thing called chocolate god be so weird imagine explaining to young people the re- the real reason why everything got destroyed <laughs> so if you well, heard of a some fridge, people made a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> some people really really financially benefited from your misery but here you go here's some barbed wire and a dead ferret have some fun <laughs> i mean sure they're all dead too <laughs> so it didn't work out so well for anybody in the long run and we just really needed a better camera on our phones every year. Every year, we needed a better, <laughs> better camera. Ooh. Wow. Oh, are we? Are we done? Are we putting a pause in this? I think so we can come back to it and we'll talk. This about... has been a lovely cathartic episode. That I think we both needed. Those yes. of you listening, we will come back with a proper episode where we have research. Yes. But I think just enjoy our opinions and <laughs> a little sneak into our brain over mind and temper's morbidity. Uh. Right, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> I have laughed and cried in this episode. It's blood, sweat and death. Mm. <sighs> there's been rage. Yes. There's been tears. There's been nostalgia. There's been tough questions. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, as always. Thanks. We do really like you you guys are cool you can stay yeah i don't know if you're coming around for like dinner like you but i like that you're here <laughs> you don't stay like a friend get them to listen it's my perfect conversation just talking at somebody you have many things to plug my sweets i really do i'm starting to feel a bit stressed about that <laughs> we have lots of events happening at house of have <laughs> gone from zero to a thousand but I'm not sure what I've got my shit together yet to announce uh, by the time this episode drops. So definitely, if you fancy a night of new work and of us trying out new things and meeting some new artists, new to working with House of Burlesque, then check us out with the RVT on the 1st of September. Those of you listening up north, if any of you are there, we're going to see you in Manchester on Saturday. If not, (laughs) tell a friend if they live up north in Manchester to come and see us. That's this week. Can't wait to see you guys. Yeah. And if I haven't announced it already, then coming this week, got two very cool events coming up. Uh, One is a residency starting on Fridays. Not every Friday because I can't cope with that yet, but... Our Friday a month, the first Friday of the month, Lolo and I are embarking on another project together, which will be great, lols. And keep forgetting about it. And I'm like, oh, that's a whole new show. <laughs> that's a whole new show. Oh, joy. And also a very cool party coming your way. So yeah, keep your eye out on social media this week. I'm going to be dropping some info, some really great stuff coming up. So please check us out. We've got loads and loads of things going on. If you want to come and do all levels, feel good, upbeat, fuck that shit dance class, do check out our pineapple dance classes got a different teacher every week and it's really fun it's like the house of ls vibe encapsulated in a dance class and you can do it in the studio at the world famous pineapple studios or you can also do it online uh, in your living room thursday six o'clock check it out we'd love to see you it's super lols oh that's fucking great yes i'm actually gonna try and plug things because like now i have things to plug this is so weird excellent I, this has been months months of not plugging anything apart from do you want to see my bush so <laughs> There's also that, if you still want to see my bush, that it's, it's still online. 
there are loads of shows that I'm, I'm just performing all over the place again so please do come see me all over London and different things do see me at this house of burlesque nonsense um, it's going to be absolute frivolity there, the new show that Tempest and I are talking about the Friday residency that will be opening in don't say it <laughs> <laughs> um, I am very very excited and the main reason is because Tempest is letting me compare a House of Burlesque show mm, yep. so I'm going to be on stage without her being able to do anything for long periods of time and it's going to really stress her out so if you want to come and see the carnage that will be that come on down yes. right. uh, it's an absolute honour but also Next week, Pussy Liquor. If you love feminist badassery in general, that's a really, really fun show. It'll be at the Bethnal Green Working Men's Club on Friday. Um, I'll be in House of Burlesque Manchester with this one as well next week. Absolute nightmare. I can't wait. And then I am absolutely privileged to say that Eve Wrestling is back. Eve Wrestling is a, like, all women badassery uh wrestling company and they are one of my families in london anyone who knows me knows that i love wrestling and it's an absolute joy to be back with them and it's going to be an absolutely massive huge show and i'm going to be there with our first performer back it's going to be gnarly and that's 27th of august and then my fuck it button workshop if you want to get yourself back into the framework of being spontaneous being dangerous and being absolutely ridiculous then this is the class for you we go into a lovely discussions around how to encourage spontaneity and chaos into your work and how to invite the unknown when you are scared of not knowing so please do check that out follow the links on my instagram there's all over the place and then i think we have one more thing to do don't we oh yeah of course the other thing is that i will be head judging and not another drag competition which is a competition led by me the drag queen where you come and you get mentored every week by different mentors ranging from singing to burlesque to acting to costume making and every week you make a new act and you compete and it is it's it's super fun competition fun and i've been on the sidelines of it with them for years and it'll be an absolute pleasure to be there every week to support you so get your applications in for that and there is a cash prize i should really know my shit before i say it yeah and <laughs> no, this is, no never change yes oh no. that's me i think i did the plugging jesus things are happening i know it's over uh, <laughs> it's lovely uh it's lovely it's, it's, it's lovely yeah it's a lot of admin <laughs> just a lot of admin yeah it's yep Thanks, Rich, as always, for beautifully <laughs> editing this podcast um, and uh, dealing with barking dogs as Naya is thanking Rich in her own way now. Drills, lawnmowers and, and uh, lots and lots of richness can't go in uh, moments. So yeah. we appreciate it. Massive <laughs> uh, thank you to Rosie Verbose for the jingle that you hear at the end of this episode, at the end of all our episodes. It is less relevant now, but we're keeping it because we like it. And it reminds us of a time that feels like it will be simpler than the apocalypse that is coming before us now so thank you very much do check out their lovely network called invisible cabaret which is actually a cabaret itself i believe it's up and running again all about mental health awareness and that's absolutely fantastic and a huge massive thank you to you lovely listeners thank you for coming in and joining us thank you for sharing our stuff and thank you for um yeah getting involved if you have any opinions on death or how you feel about it if you've got some morbid things that you want to share with us share it talk to us we'd love to hear it find us on instagram at gin salt podcast also on twitter at gin salt podcast that is our tag isn't it i think so yeah i just forget we have twitter. i don't touch it because i hate twitter i hate twitter so much it's like facebook but less <laughs> 
don't tweet us because we never look at it, but do Instagram yeah, us. Do Instagram us. We're always on that. And please do rate the podcast. It helps other people to find it. And uh, if you leave us a little, little message, write us a little nice note on the reviews. We also love that too. We really, really do. And yeah, we we have a Patreon um, if you want to financially support us. And, and uh, very occasionally we'll drop you um, some behind the scenes chat. Oh, some great behind the scenes chat. Sometimes I don't even listen to it before it goes on there. So it's some really, really, really criminal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Uh, we'll see Bye. you next-ish Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> don't die. But also if you do, it's okay. It's part of life. Bye. Bye. So you wanna be a showgirl, a star of cabaret, but the closure of the theatres leaves a hole in your heart and in your day. Well, here's two artists who miss burlesque gigs, performing and acting moronic. People who, when life gives them lemons, just slice them up for a gin and tonic. They put the mock in mocktail, the cock in cocktail. Let them show you how It's gin salt with Tempest Rose And low, low brow Give us your attention Yes, Naya, we know you're there Sorry, <laughs> Someone's just knocked on my door, hang on Wait, wait, wait